0: goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome
1: his platform today fm
0: this is rebate live
1: call 0800 today fm
2: let's go let's go kia ora it is 12.03 pm i hope you Saturday it is going well i hope life is good welcome to Rabette live We talk about three things. Commerce, community, culture, all sorts of good stuff. The goal of, you know, how I roll is pretty simple. It is, my goal is New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And I'm a big fan of Kiwis doing good things. Big fans of taking down the tall poppy syndrome and a big fan of empowering others to do great things so they can go out there and smash it. Very lucky to be back in Aotearoa for the last couple of weeks. Obviously I've in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, It's been awesome putting my feet back on the ground in New Zealand. Aotearoa, taking in the breaths of fresh air. Got to go down to Queenstown last week as well and see some of the whanau down there, which was awesome, down the southern lakes and cool. Coming up on the show today, in about a minute, we'll be catching up with Leslie Chandra from the Auckland restaurant Siddharth. An absolutely spectacular place. I'm not just saying because he's sitting right next to me. I'm saying it because it's genuinely epic. But we want to talk about um, life, career, and then, you know, navigating commerce through COVID. Before 1 o'clock, we've also got Learn, Share, Repeat. Get to figure about, you know, who is listening to what to learn, what podcasts are good, all the rest of it. And then after 1 o'clock, here's undoubtedly one of New Zealand's most respected leaders in tourism and in this country, Mr Tim Alp the co-founder and CEO of Juicy. He'll be joining me live in the studio as well to talk through tourism, travel, and, you know, as the world opens back up, what's next in the mix. Uh, we've got Tereo Time, Young Bucks, and much, much more. Uh, you can text me if you'd like. I've got a question of the day. And I got in a really interesting, I won't say debate, I will say a friendly discussion with some emotional jabs with a friend of mine. And we were talking about this. I this question of if you need to take a drug test to have a job, should you need to take a drug test to get the doll <laughs> or the benefit. And it, it, it we 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 it's to wine.
0: Wine. Mark Die and Carly Flynn.
1: Epidemiologist Michael Baker is with us now. Could you give us a bit of a sense, Michael, of what we can expect going into winter?
2: It may be that half the population's been infected now. And one of the concerns is if the infection moves into older groups, we will see, unfortunately, the deaths mounting up. I mean, it's an average of about 12 people a day dying. If you extend that over a whole year, that's over 4,000 people dying in a year eight times higher than flu it's not a death rate we
0: can tolerate i don't think weekdays from six thirty with generate the kiwi saver specialist. new on today fm
2: back in the mix okay the question of the day is this you can text me on 3920 or you can call up 0800 today fm the question is this If you need to take a drug test to take a job to get a nice six-figure salary and work your way through the the grind, should you also make it mandatory to take a drug test to be able to get the benefit? And I'm not going to say what our our argument was, but uh, basically it got quite heated where there was a lot of emotion behind it and there was a lot of banter back and forth. So if you've got a a question or an answer that you'd like to know, I want to know what you think. 3920. And we just want to talk about the balance of helping community Versus also supporting commerce, especially in the, in that mix if there's an expectation for one for commercial gain um, Should we have the same expectations for others that are that are then getting I guess the, the fruits of the labor as well And you know growing up we've been on the benefit before in the past and we're now obviously not been through ups and downs So does many people and that's the key. All right, that is it and let's get into it. It's twelve oh six p.m Okay Guest number one, in September 2021, Leslie Chandra took over the Auckland Restaurant Siddharth as the owner and exclusive chef. He's embraces Fijian Indian roots, embedding them into the menu, which I love because I actually grew up in Fiji when I was younger. We can talk about suva, bolo and all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, he and his team use only seasonal fresh ingredients, but more importantly, I'm interested around the idea of navigating uh, commerce if, with culture, with COVID and all the rest. So, Leslie, kia ora, my friend. Welcome to the show. I'm going a okay, mate. Uh, so let's start with this. You uh, you've t- you took over Sitat in September. Yeah, so September not not too long. Talk me through. How did you get to the headspace of where you come from to
3: get to that point? Well, I mean, you know, as as you start as a chef, um, your your goal is always to. well, my goal was always to own a place. You know, own a, my own place, and um, you always work towards that goal. And um, I was lucky enough to. Not open my place, but take over a establishment that was, you know, that has been there for a long time with such a great name, um, and I think I'm very, you know, humble and, and lucky and blessed. <laughs> it's a pretty amazing spot.
2: Um, I'm interested in this. Two thousand so COVID hits the start of uh, 2020. We go through the lockdown, we come back out, the world is open, Eden Parks gets 50,000 people, we go back into it, another lockdown, and then you decide in the middle of all that, hey, let's get into Hospo. let's go. Can you just explain to me the headspace of where you had to get to 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 want to make the jump into commerce? It's such a really interesting time for
3: business. Yeah, I mean, well, it was the conversation we had uh, with me, Sid and Chand was... um, it was way before COVID hit, you know, me taking over and stuff. It was probably in 2016, 2017. So a long time before that. Uh, so it was a, there was a plan in place, um, but we obviously didn't plan for COVID. So, you know, I just had to, I, I, I took I took the opportunity and, and, you know, went with it because why wait even longer, mm. you know, something can happen, uh, something else can happen, but I just, um, just had to take, you know, just take it out of the twenty ten 10 people in your circle how many said
2: it was a great idea how many people said it was a horrible idea
3: oh, <laughs> everyone was that 55? what was the, what was the numbers it was probably 90 10 <laughs> what good or bad or bad <laughs> <laughs> even my lawyers were like what are you doing like this is not a good idea i was like just just please <laughs> let me let me just sign the papers and let me do it so 90% 90% of everyone in your
2: circle said no and you you still pushed through so talk me through the the headspace of trying to build a team up when you because you've obviously been involved in the business and then to, to come through and then take it over how did the head chef go from working with people to having people almost work for you or how did you structure I guess the head space in terms of trying to build a culture and build a team through that time when you decided to take over the business
3: well I mean it's as a you know as a head chef and stuff and, and places always as a restaurant manager or whatever position you have a high position you always work to you know a, a certain standard Uh, to the owner's standard or the or the head chef or whatever um so you just keep the same standard and basically nothing has changed uh, for me and the team i'm still like i work as as i usually did before before ownership um i think that was the right way for me because the team you know respected that and, and i didn't turn into a owner and and started demanding things and you know just kept it the same. and I'm sure that's happened before. <laughs> yeah. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you've seen that happen play out before. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't want to go down that road, so, you know, I just just went, you know, how, how I usually work, and I, so far it's paying off, and yeah. Building the team and culture
2: when you're navigating different tiers of lockdowns with what can and can't be done, how did you navigate that with the team in terms of each different stage, what that would mean? How did you plan it and a bit of the strategy behind, I guess, how you kept the... The team in the same walker in the same direction but with so many variables
3: almost every single day oh that was you know that was difficult because (laughs) having owned a place and then going through all that like doing takeaways that we've never done before and just dealing with things that have just come up that no one has dealt before in in any industry um i think it was just you know leading by example kind of thing not let it uh stress you out and and you know um let it get to you kind of thing and showing that you're okay always in control uh so if people see that around you that people you know that work with you i think they just follow suit and and and, you know just follow lead kind of thing so
2: it's almost been or could be coming up to a year since you've taken over what's the biggest thing you've learned about your own leadership or the way that you've had to i guess transition from an employee
3: to an employer Yeah, it's it's very it's very difficult. Like it's very hard. I thought um when when, you know, when I didn't own a place and I'd just go to a restaurant and be like, Oh well, yeah, you know, this is all right, this is all right kind of thing. Um but to be in the ownership now, you're like, Oh, you gotta think about everything. You gotta um you know, always be on your toes, like just you gotta be hundred percent all the time. Hmm. The how do you balance off
2: you obviously a, a head chef. You're obviously very creative. I'm always intrigued when individuals balance this line of creativity versus commerce. They, you know, you've got a, you've got an art. You've got this, this, you know, this amazing way to create these ingredients and these great things. And now, simultaneously, you have to balance the commercial, non-emotive, spreadsheet side of PAY and just all the other stuff. How has your headspace navigated being 100% creative to now having to, to almost fight or balance the tension of
3: uh, c- commercial versus creative? Well, that's a very, that's a very, <laughs> that's a very hard question because I've always been told, you know, as a chef, to be super creative and use ingredients and and try to excite the customer that comes and dines, um, because otherwise, if you go to a restaurant and you think like, oh well, I can do this at home, why why are you gonna you know pay for that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I think if I think like hundred percent creativity, and then you know the. If, if the balance book, you know, if, 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 it's all, if it's all good, then it's all good. But if it's still, you know, if it's not good, I think you just have to keep going and, and eventually your creativity and your passion will come through and, and hopefully, you know, customers will see that and follow and your, you know, revenue or whatever will rise still. Well, from the outside, it's easy to see the nice logo. You come in, you get the great experience.
2: What do you think the biggest thing is that customers don't realise about the hospitality world?
3: oh there's there's a lot of hard work that goes into it I mean every little piece of cutlery you know every piece of glass gets polished five times and you know on a night and uh, the cutlery gets polished everything costs money and you know it, it shows in the you know the menu but sometimes people are like oh this is too expensive or this is not worth it but you know it's 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 a fine line it's not like we're making millions of dollars we're just you know small business of operators we're just getting by mm. um but we do it for the passion uh so i think uh, you know the passion that people i mean sometimes they see it but i think that's the hardest thing like that don't, not don't sometimes see the passion
2: what gets you most uh you know, look into the future when you think about you know the creativity, or I guess where the the future of either food and stuff is going to. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, th- synthetic meats or different types of food that's coming out? Like in terms of innovation within
3: the f- food space, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really into that synthetic meat and stuff. Like, uh, I think that's... we're going old
2: school wagyu. Yeah, ninety <laughs>
3: days son. So we're out. Well, yeah, I mean, I know there's you know there's a cost to both, you know um but I rather have something that's real and um I think I mean definitely there is a market for it and in the future there will be a bigger market for it probably um but you know just got to keep doing what you know and and um we'll see we'll see where it goes like hopefully you know in 20 years we're still they still have restaurants and chefs and not robots and stuff like everyone's saying nowadays like robots can cook and stuff and We'll see. <laughs> well, it's that balance of art
2: versus science, right? We're, yeah. There's, there's. Do you have Do you have any um, within the automation industry? Obviously, robotics are stepping up to a thing. There's, you know, I've been seeing uh, these corporate series A rounds or whatever for you know flippies, which would go through and literally robotic things which are flipping burgers in, yeah. in the restaurants. And I go into like a Target, which would be similar to like a Kmart or something in the states, and you see ro- robots that can do fingernails and bits and pieces, oh. and and it's it's interesting to see. The products that come into market to start taking up those jobs. When you look at hospitality in general, do you have a fear that that robots may take be taking, will eventually take a lot of, um, I guess, jobs in the, in specific parts of it? Do you have a thought on on robotics in the future of food?
3: Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's always room for you know improvement, and s- some people think yeah, robots are the way, more efficient, cheaper. I don't know, um, but I think what we're doing uh, is a very, you know upmarket that i don't think robots can do and i'm not afraid of you know robots coming and doing what i do because i know that it's art well yeah well <laughs> it's art but also like creativity yeah yeah uh comes into play you know the spur of the moment like i don't know if robots have that kind of emotion and, mm. and to deal with that for yeah flipping burgers yeah probably yeah Tran- uh, transactional will get yeah get squeezed but the
2: talent will will remain
3: yeah yeah
2: so i'm no no fears about that what's the most thing that gets you most excited about the the future of of setup
3: oh um seeing where you know where I would take it like you know mm. hopefully I can take it even even higher than it it has already been um and that's also my biggest fear <laughs> yeah how so? why why because it's uh it's been there for 12 years and it's you know it's had such a good reputation whereas you know I'm coming in and and I don't want to tarnish that name mm. you know uh that sid has built um so that's that's also my biggest you know biggest fear and worry um uh, but also i want to push push it further put your own stamp yeah uh, and and take it further so you know it's like a double-edged sword kind of thing do you feel i've got a friend of mine who's whose dad's done very
2: well for himself and for years well known name everyone knows it and he's the son right and he's trying to Creator's Mark, and when I see him sometimes, I wonder if he tries to make his own stamp, will it just be like, oh, he'll never be as big as Dot. Oh, he'll never be as dot, dot, dot. And then if he goes too far the other way, is it then he goes, oh, he's just trying to go do his own thing. How do you navigate that tension of, I guess, legacy that's come before you when you've got the stamp of something that has already been set? Do you see that as a a threat a challenge or an opportunity
3: i see it as all yeah (laughs) you know i I take it as all of that and um and that's what kind of pushes me and the fear drives me as well yeah so yeah i think you just have to take it all like just just let it you know let it go and 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 do it the best you can and be as for me be as creative and you know push the boundaries more and yeah Incredible. Well, wishing you the best of luck for the future with it.
2: Um, as I said, you know, for a friend of mine, we went there a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, you know, this is not a spa- a sponsored. Anything. We literally paid full retail. Tipped quite well, I'd like to let everyone know. Um, but it was incredible to see not even just the journey of doing something so brave during a time where there's been so much fear, but also being able to lead with creativity in a world that's um, commercialized. And, and the story is amazing. The food's absolutely incredible. And it's definitely, you know, a few steps up from just some fish and trips or a steak and cheese from from, 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 from the uh, corner dairy. So. so, no, it's de- <laughs> definitely that. Like, I've, I've, I've had some bad pies and some great, great food. And it's definitely right up there. So, really appreciate you coming in, Leslie. Thanks so much for your time, bro. Oh, I
3: appreciate it. Thank you. Legend.
2: Sure. All right, don't forget you can text me on 3920. The question for the day is, should you be able to, uh, you know, if you have to take a drug to test to get a job, should you have to take a drug test to get the benefit or anything like that? Interested? There's a few things going through. Someone said, uh, anyone working in a company that ideally is a liability to the company or business, if under the influence of drugs, on the dole, they're a liability to themselves. i getting a bit deep there. I see it. Said see it in that interesting angle. The time now is 12.20. You're on Today FM.
3: Repeat line.
1: It's Rebett Live on Today
2: FM. Rock and rollin'. 1222, 1222 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Welcome back to Rebett Live on Today FM, episode 314. Get a few of these rolling away. Find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or take us with you on the go. Download the free Rover app from your smartphone's app store. And if you want to get in touch for the question of the day is... Hey, if you do you take a drug test to do uh, your job, do you, should you get a drug test to be able to get the benefit? And why? Not just say yes or no, actually give a bit of feedback. Next up is uh, Young Buck Time. What is a Young Buck? It's a weekly segment where we highlight a young entrepreneur, Kerry, doing great things, trying to take on the world of business. And today I'm and very pleasured and honoured to be joined by Tara Lingard. Kia ora, Tara. How are you?
4: Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you?
2: Hey, okay. So you attend, uh, you're in the Tron, big Hamilton massive at Fraser yes. Fraser High School. So tell me a little yes. bit about. Um, you started a company called Baking Memories. Tell me about it. Yeah,
4: so, so Baking Memories, we sell ba- uh homemade Kiwiana themed baking kits. So designed for the family to do with kids. Um, we kind of started it up around COVID time because we noticed that. Um, Everyone was indoors obviously with their family a lot more and it gave uh, something to do as a family, something enjoyable and then you got to enjoy a nice treat afterwards.
2: There you go. How did you come up with the idea? So you're at, you're at high school there. like, How old are you and who else is involved in this like first mini-cool business?
4: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm 18 and then my friend Tina, so she works with me and she's 17. So we came up with it together. Uh, we kind of had, had ideas and then we kind of decided to improve on that. Nice. See how we can make it more original and suited to New Zealand.
2: So what's the business model? How do you make money and how does it all work practically?
4: Yes. Yeah, so we make our products uh, all by us. So we use local suppliers to get in our ingredients and then we use a commercial kitchen in order to package them up and create recipes that suit all of our customers. How,
2: how many different products do you have right now and what, what's the pricing? When you, when you, obviously at the start you can... Do as many different things as you'd like, but I'm guessing you, you yeah. know, wanted to keep it sorta of yeah. structured. How did you go through the decision making process and tell me about, you know, how you decided to, to go with a certain amount of products?
4: Yeah, so currently we have four options and we're keeping with the kiwi theme. So we've got classics like lolly cake, Afghan biscuits, and Zacks, and we've currently got uh, some cupcakes with all these decorations that you can add on and create. Very cool. And some creativity.
2: Now, what was the initial stack of ideas? I'm guessing more than four. Like how big was it? 10, 20, 30, 40? How, do you, how, how, do you, yeah, how big did lots, the cut down?
4: Lots of ideas. The cut down was probably around from 15 products. And we just got in touch with uh, potential clients and asked what sort of things they'd be interested in. And nice. Okay. Went so, from there.
2: So, so the next steps of how you... How do you sell them? Is it, is it direct to consumer through an online little thing? Do you have stores? Like How do you, how do you distribute and, and, and sell this? And how's your headspace at 18 years old thinking about expanding to build the business even bigger?
4: <laughs> yeah, so we're currently working on uh, – oh, I do not think of the word, sorry. Uh, we're currently working with some local shops in Hamilton to get um, our product, product stocked there. Uh, but we do online selling and we do markets and face to face is probably our main
2: selling way. Nice. In terms of the online side, a lot of people don't realize that you don't need millions of dollars to actually create an online store to sell products or services. Technically no. speaking, what's the, what's the back end that you're you're rolling there? Is it like a little Shopify thing or a Squarespace? or what are you, what are you doing technically to be able to sell online? We are
4: doing it off of Instagram.
2: Oh wow, okay. What, are you selling direct off Instagram?
4: Yes, we are. So they are currently, we have, and Facebook. Uh, So we have our social media pages and then people will often DM us or personal message us and we'll organise a way for them to either pick up their product or we'll ship it to them.
2: Cool. And so what the, let's talk about the scalability of it. You, you know, you're working with uh, local suppliers. Do you want to take this thing national? Do you see the brand getting bigger? How do you see the future of uh, Baking Memories actually expanding from here to the future?
4: Yeah, we would love to make it expand more. Uh, if we could reach down in the South Island more, that would be awesome. So that's kind of our goal this year by adding an online uh, sorry shipping we we didn't have that uh, ready and available last year but we've got that sorted now so we're hoping to reach more people than we were able to last time
2: nice and say for the cupcakes do you have any subscription models at all because obviously when you look at you know the transactional element of the amount of energy it takes for people to jump in have you th- thought of you know that you can get cupcakes once a month sent to your office or whatever it is in terms of the business models of pricing where have you got where have you got down that path
4: yeah, so we currently are doing a deal where we have uh, three for $25, for that kits, obviously, so you have to make them yourself, and yeah, so we'll send them off, uh, and people can organise with us um, to make it a regular thing, either monthly or just one off.
2: Very cool. Okay, so if people want to check it out, uh, where can they go to, what can they do?
4: Yeah, so you can click up uh, the like on Instagram at bakingmemoriesNZ or you can email us at memories 3 at gmail.com.
2: There you go. Uh, rock and roll. Hey, well, best of luck. Really appreciate it. Super cool seeing a young buck out there going and get it. So good on you and for baking memories and, and, and I hope you have an awesome weekend down the Tron. Yeah,
4: you, you too. Thank you.
2: Let's go. Super cool. Uh, it was a very... I just get very stoked seeing young Kiwis creating things, starting businesses, selling on Instagram, getting some additional revenue. You know, when I was a young buck, I used to go down to the local golf golf club. There's a small little par three. And at nighttime I'd dive into the water, take out all the balls, come back the next day and sell them for fifty cents. The Pro V ones would be a dollar, but all the other top flights and stuff would sell them for fifty cents. then I had the the um the the paper run, which I'd do and stuff as well, which was super cool. So it's you know, obviously things have got a bit more technical. Look at these careers selling selling cupcakes on Instagram and the Facebooks. Very cool. Coming up after the break, I've got business in a Minute tip: We're in one minute. Give you a quick tip to help make your business better, and then uh, before today time with Kadepe McDonald. This is Today FM Rabette Live, episode three hundred and fourteen. I hope your day is going awesome. Time now is twelve twenty nine. I'll see you in a sec.
0: Rabette Live,
1: live from Silicon Valley, the hub of the tech universe,
0: with tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential
1: on Today FM.
2: Righty, we're back in action. 12.32 here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, Today FM. It is now time for Business in a Minute. You tuned into to Live on uh, Today FM. You can check out the app, download uh, Rover, check on todayfm.co.nz for whatever else you need to see, where you can listen and what you can do. It's time for Business in a Minute. One minute. For you to figure out how to make your life a little bit better in terms of business. And the one for today is the danger of solo leadership. So many times, young bucks or people in the in the mix, they've got too much ego, or arrogance, thinking they can do everything themselves. This was me in my early 20s. Um, and the frustrating bit is, there are so many people who have been there and done things before you, and they can be getting there to help you. So, the worst thing you can do when you when you're you know on that come up is not have people who are older than you and smarter than you around you. They want to try and do it themselves. And the smart thing you need to do is be able to stop. Bring them in and actually be able to listen to them. Because a lot of people have been there and done it before. But time and time again, people don't. So the simple business tip for today is the danger of solo leadership, thinking you can do everything yourself. Because the reality is you can't. You can't be amazing at everything. You can't, you don't know what's around the corner. And so many people that are older than you and sometimes definitely younger than you can have a different perspective. And as you get that circle, keep them close and definitely don't go solo. So many people just get so much, they string themselves to dry because they're not really thinking about what they can do to um, to think a bit wider and think a bit better about their businesses. So business in a minute tip for today is don't go solo. <laughs> Open out, listen and bring, bring smart people around you because look, everyone doesn't know everything themselves and all you're going to do is increase your life regretted percentage by trying to do everything yourself. And that is how to get just a little bit more out of your business. The time now is 12:34.
1: Learning today
0: one phrase at a time. Rebets Tereo on Rebet Live. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's
2: go, let's go. Right now it's Tereo time. Each week we catch up and we catch up with the bro Kadepe McDonald to talk through the phrase of the week or Kiwaha or Tewiki. ora my bro, how
5: are you? Oh, yeah.
2: Hey, good here. get the my friend get the i've I've been out, had a few golf balls got a quick little golf lesson having less little eggs benny and 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 um and sausages with a hot extra hot micro I'm ready to rumble how are you doing and and what's what's been going your side
5: oh no get the play uh you know we're still kicking on here on these case square no so last week we had Heraruki Ki Uta, which was, uh, you know, it's only a small problem, nothing to worry about and all that. But this week's the total opposite is Heraru Ki Tau, which means it is a big problem, so we better fix it, okay? So this one, um, someone might turn up and um, the Done something wrong, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, and you know, it's quite noticeable and well you can say to that person, Oh, bro, So it's literal translation is a trouble out at sea and well, there's there's more water, more ocean on the planet than there is land, hence why it's a big problem. How so everyone, you can use this, you know, in your court, or you can use this in everyday casual talk um, when someone's done something wrong and it's going to have some big effects to whatever's going on. So quite taku e heka, e rawituronga te koutou. So our piwaha o te wiki, hei raru ki tai. Ka
2: tai. Appreciate it, brother. Very good. What do what, what, what you got planned for the rest oh. of the weekend?
5: I oh, know, well, I'm currently teaching a real at the moment, so, yeah, all my focus on that, and then I've got my master's assignment due tomorrow, so pretty busy.
2: Oh, you got heaps on, my friend, heaps on. Well, hey, <laughs> appreciate you uh, coming on, as always, Karepe, and I'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Oh,
5: rawe, rawe. Uh, hei te wai, kia ka kaita weekend
2: there you go. And that's today our time for this week. If you've got any feedback or suggestions, you can text me on 3920. Time now is 12.37. Bet Live
1: on Today FM.
2: As we start dreaming and flowing along, 12.37 Aotearoa, New Zealand. Time for my three cents. The point of this is you know most people have two cents about things I've got three cents today I've been back in Aote for a couple of weeks now and I've been speaking with so many others that have been uh, in the business in this e- ecosystem and landscape and one of the things I've been wanting to know from many of them is what way is society heading are we heading up are we heading down and a bit that got brought up was they feel that the nation needs a hug. <laughs> a lot of people being locked down, a lot of people getting a little bit frustrated, and there's been this idea of, okay, cool, well, how do we start to change the campaign for positivity in the nation? How can we start to think about at more of a macro level, we've gone through a few years of pretty hard times, I'm not saying you just need a big you know, blowout and go to Vegas or whatever, but as a nation, how do we start to change the mindset of positivity for the actual uh, options that exist for the future? The world is a big place, and, and You know, when I was, um, you know, when I look at certain things in New Zealand with the headspace of what's truly possible, I always want others to be a bit braver, try a bit harder, see they can go a bit more. I feel very passionate about these things because what happens is when you know we were I was talking with a, another good friend of mine last week and he said you know what happens in society when the good people stop trying and it usually doesn't go the right way but there's so many amazing kiwis to good stuff we need to keep highlighting these things we need to put keep in the spotlight on the good stuff that happens the, the the good people doing great things to help others in business because you know I've got a three and a four-year-old daughter I want A place in 10 20 30 40 years time which is going to be even better and better yes we have our challenges I understand that yes we've been through a bunch of a a, a gong show which has been frustrating and I also I can appreciate and understand that but I feel in my heart that we've got such an amazing opportunity in New Zealand to kind of ramp the, the worlds back up and get into more of a campaign of positivity a campaign or an idea set where we can think about What could New Zealand really look like if we were truly brave enough? If we go on offense, what could actually be achieved? If we, instead of being defense and waiting for things to happen, go on offense and actually trying to do it. In a a landscape and an ecosystem where so much of competition exists, why can't we think a little bit braver? I don't know. You're worried about you know the the inter, having the internal bravery to try something in a business, and then it comes down to well are those you know business owners are they empowering you are they employing you to actually go and create good things? I just feel we're at a tipping point in New Zealand. I feel from the energy that I've seen around this last couple of weeks, and after being in the states locked away through COVID for the last couple of years, they were at a bit of a tipping point, and. I don't want a society where the good people stop trying. I don't want a society where we allow toxicity and negativity to slowly keep creeping in and create resentment towards each other, ourselves, and future going forward. It actually absolutely sucks, and it frustrates the out of me. See, I even self-muted myself because if I was in the States, I probably just was small then. But, no, I'm in New Zealand trying to do it smart. And it really means a lot. Now, I'm 37, but I think I always think about the long game. I think about in 13 years time when I'm 50, what does the ecosystem look like? How do we create more momentum more than local businesses to potentially go global? And I've been thinking about, and I'm open to any ideas for out here, is to go, if we were truly in a global landscape and we've got so much amazing talent here, what are the ninja moves that New Zealand can do as NZ Inc to try and go global faster? What can we do as a collective to put us in a better better space that either you know uh, fights off uh, the inflation or the rising cost of living or the rising cost of housing or um, any other of these things that come at us. But through all the people I talked to in the last couple of weeks, sense like New Zealand needs first for starters a massive blowout to just get it all out of the system and also then just a big nice hug <laughs> a big nice hug to say it's going to be okay we understand you've been frustrated we understand these things so my three cents for the day is I feel we're at a tipping point I feel that there is momentum that we can be doing for the future and I think we just need to change our headspace a little bit to think to go a little bit more on the offense instead of the defense a little bit more on the positive instead of the negative and yes there will be you know, negative bad actors in the ecosystem who do dumb things. Yes, there will be small pockets of bad things which try and pull others down. But if you're all around a bunch of others and they keep putting water on the fire, that's not really going to make your life that much better. And I think I'd like it if everyone's life was just a little bit more better. Smile, wake up and have a little bit of less life goodish percentage. All right, that's my little, oh, God, got out of the system there, little vent done. Um, got a text come through. Such a good show, learning a lot. Thanks, Deb. Oh, cheers, Deb, appreciate that. Hope you're doing awesome wherever you are and whatever you're doing. If you've got any texts you'd like to text through, you can text me on 3920 or you can call 0800 Today FM. The question of the day, and it was a little bit of a controversial one because I got into an, I'm not going to say an argument. I'm going to say a heated debate with intellectual conversation around the question of if you have to take a drug test to to have certain jobs, should you have to take a drug test to be able to get the benefit specifically? Don't just come back and say yes or no. Give us a bit of context. After the break, it's Learn, Share, Repeat. This is Rabette Live, episode 314 on Today FM and streaming live on Rover. Time now, 12.42.
0: Tova with Tova O'Brien, Mark Dye, and Carly Flynn.
1: A deep dive into countrywide stroke care is revealing some shocking inconsistencies for our most vulnerable communities. Joining us now is Research Program Lead from Otago University, Professor Anna Ranta. There
4: is a need for some more investment. We need to make stroke a really strong
6: priority for our health planning. One in four adults will have a stroke in their lifetime. Second most common cause of death and disability. 20% of people with stroke will have a stroke under
4: age 65.
0: not just all people. It's over. With Generate, the Saver specialists.
3: On Today FM. Lloyd Burr's got your drive home covered. Our most racist law does need repealing here in New Zealand. It's hypocritical of us to criticise other countries' racist laws. Uh, when we've got Muldoon's Citizenship Western Samoa Act of 1982 still on our books. It is still a law. It has to go. We must right the wrongs. Lloyd Burr live.
1: Every drive home from four.
3: With Lexus. On
0: Today FM. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome.
1: His platform, Today FM.
0: This is Rebet Live.
1: Call 0800 Today FM.
2: I love the fact that I've got my own show where I can play whatever music I like, including banger instrumentals like that from J. Cole. That's no role models. If you don't know, then now you know. J. Cole, welcome back to Rabette Live on Today FM. Live from Auckland this week. Usually I'm in the States, but now I'm here and it's glorious. Uh, you can find out uh, more about where to get us online at todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on the social channels, Facebook, Instagram, on the Twitters and the TikToks. Just search for Today FM. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me this afternoon to answer the question uh, that we've got for the day, text through on 3920 or phone in on 0800 Today FM. It's time for Learn to repeat. Now, on my wrist. I have a little, I have a little band, in it and it's got a little art on the front, on the back. It says "Learn, Share, Repeat," and it's a little mantra saying whatever around. You know, when I can get access to smart people that th- see things in a different light, uh, what do they know? And then how can I talk to them? How can I find it out? And how can I share it to you? And then repeat that thing. And what well, I'll find, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest at school. Team, I wasn't. I kind of failed high school. wasn't wasn't the best student. wasn't that book smart, but I definitely like to learn. And I like to learn lots of different ways. So, Lynch, sure, repeat. We're going to be talking to Cool Kiwi, doing some good stuff. And today, I am very stoked to, to introduce the producer of the show today, ladies and gentlemen, Cameron. How are you, mate?
7: Hello, hello. Let's go. Oh, you got co- deceptively deep voice there on the thing, mate, mate. Can, G- you, I'm I'm just glad you you can even hear me, to be honest.
2: <laughs> no, it sounds good, mate. So you're producing the show. We're rolling, and rolling. Um... For those who aren't, we just give a quick little intro on who you are and what you're about.
7: Yeah, so I uh, I've been producing here for a while. I've been you know spreading myself around. I've been pr- doing some producing down at George, um, working with Sin and Brooke down there. Um, it's been it's been good, you know, like working in the media industry. I think it can be a lot. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time you don't really think about um the things that come along with it. I guess the hours, you know, things like that. Um. And it really is one of those industries where the more you know, you know the people you know, and the connections you make, I guess, are what push you forward. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's been great. I've enjoyed it.
2: So you're obviously a young buck on the come up, but you also, you know, the, you I'm very old compared to you. You're you're on on the come up. Uh, when you learn where are you most likely learning now do you stream through tiktok on certain things Do you have podcasts do you do books like with you and your crew or you particularly how are you best learning right now
7: i think um i would like to say i learned through tiktok but to be honest i probably don't get much education from that app um i guess i really enjoy um when i when i find something that i want to learn about i really love digging deep um, just going through articles and stuff like that. I guess just looking it up on on Google and just kind of reading through whatever you know journal articles I can find on it and things like that because I think the with a lot of um, learning because of the internet, I mean, you can find such niche mm. little veins um, and you know those could be good, those could be bad you know it depends where you go Well, you go down the rabbit hole quick on Ex- google exactly especially at 1 in the morning when you're <laughs> you know, you're tired and you you're interested in something but yeah it can be good it can be bad but um i think even just seeing how different everyone's opinions are on online like mm. you could read one article that has a completely differing opinion on something than another um and i think that's just it's quite interesting to to kind of have that in our generation i guess that we have so many opinions available mm. um so what
2: do you get what rabbit holes are you getting into lately like what do you what are you starting to get into that you, you're digging deep on that you're
7: kind of finding it quite interesting the music oh, scene entertainment side business oh, yes i i i'm a big music guy yeah i'm a music fanatic i i really enjoy um whenever an album is released i really love going through you know the lyrics and i'm one of those people who when you get a time to listen to an album i will just sit there and listen and have lights off you know nothing else going on so i'll kind of read through the lyrics and i love reading into the backstories of Mm. artists and albums for example kendrick lamar's latest album i went into the whole you know rabbit hole of exploring his whole career and where you know that came from and what the album meant i think that's definitely one of the main things that if i'm researching things it's probably to do with, you know, where artists came from or anything like that.
2: Well, story be- story behind the story, right?
7: Yeah, it, absolutely.
2: So when I was in, uh, I guess, Snowboard World or whatever and looking to, to make the come up, there was that line from Jay-Z. He's like, I ain't a business, man. I'm a business, man. And it's this, like, cool, it's a nice line. But when I converted that, it was like, I ain't a businessman, person. I'm a business, yep. man. Platform. Yep. You know, and I'm sure when you go see a lot of Kendrick stuff, when he goes it, do you try to find the meaning within those things that get that depth like you look for these little pockets then you sort of dig yeah. down is that kind of the thing yeah
7: 100 percent. and i think a lot of a lot of the thing now i as th- i guess it's always been a thing but especially now i think a lot of artists are trying to go towards um conceptualizing their albums a lot more and making making the story of an album more prominent and making the, the album fit a narrative from start to finish hmm. um and i guess that's that's kind of something that happens with every album but this, this I feel like as, as of recent, uh, uh, albums have been conceptualized a lot more, maybe because um, narrative plays into music. I guess it always has, but narrative is playing into a music, uh, an album a lot more now, especially in rap and things like that, because um, I guess the formula for uh, conceptualizing within an album is becoming more, Mainstream. Do you think it's a shift in as well from when
2: back in the day you'd have the album that would come out and then it went into like what singles going to drop, and, drop yep. and then streaming's come through and it's just like spread out, like hit 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 yep, and then do you feel that we're at a spot now that's zooming back to go cool now let's take a back to the 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 longer film the bigger thing to actually go a bit more depth yep. it's almost it's do you find do you think that actually music is shifting that way from a strategic standpoint of how they're actually starting to put music out
7: yeah definitely because I think I mean the whole album is just. At the palm of your hand, you can just, you know, do the whole thing in one go by tapping play, and that's it. You know, you can just look up the album, and it's there. And um, I think, because I love collecting records as well, but the thing is with that is that it it takes a lot more time and effort to listen to a full album um, if it's not just there. You know, you can't just access it straight away. It's not a swipe. Exactly. It's It's substance. Yeah, interesting. You have to put it down. You have to swap sides and everything like that. You're talking
2: about physical records.
7: Yeah. Yeah and so like I mean a lot of the time you're kind of like oh I'll listen to half of a record and then I'll end up doing something else and then it stops you know rather than switching side I'll just stop listening to it but if I've got the album playing in full you know on a streaming service or something like that it's playing in full it's not yeah stopping yeah, yeah. until it's done.
2: So do you feel that within the more like textural side of, of music it's going to go a bit more analog styles, a bit more old school back to it to have a bit more de- depth.
7: I think that, uh, well, especially like there's a, there's a big resurgence in collecting records now, um, if anything. You know, there's there's, huge, there's been a huge boom within the last five years or so even hmm. of just vinyl is becoming, you know, rapidly more valuable and expensive, I think. Because, the irony. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The irony. <laughs> yep, we have it all there at our fingers, as we were just saying, but for some reason it's just so much more satisfying to hold hmm. the physical... The, the physical thing, I guess.
2: Well, within the, the... That is a interesting segue because many people, most people still in business and meetings are then, instead of having a laptop out and blah, 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 are still wanting to write it down. The well, analog becoming the new... And, like, old school's a new, new school, you know, and that, I, that's quite a... It's funny to see that happening in the music world as well. Going back to the the physical, actually, side of things, which probably gives back to maybe that internal drive of humans that want a bit more substance and a bit more feel and a bit more texture and a bit more kind of old school. and And I was saying this through COVID, not to segue for the whole technology side, but you know, two years of looking at a screen trying to build these relationships isn't the same as sitting down across the table from someone, having a beer, looking at them in the eyes, and actually having a genuine conversation. It's the it's the depth of those you know the the instinctual human element to want to connect with themselves and with others right
7: yeah absolutely and I think it, it's a lot more personal as well when you when you can say you know I have have this album I have the physical copy and I guess mm. it feels as though you're contributing more to the artist than if you're just streaming their their album once I guess it yeah. It feels like it is more personal and it means more. But but the irony for someone that's a generation probably a little bit younger than myself yeah. to be
2: going the other way mm. when in my world the cell phone first just came out and then this and then we got text messaging and then we had this and it's kind of going the other way to the right of going tech, tech, tech. Yeah, it's quite cool, most in this resurgence of going, yeah. Tech's cool, but it's that old school and, and it reminds me really similar of uh culture in Japan. So culture in Japan is one of the most respectful, honored people amongst communication with each other and they'll be having conversations and you'll be, you know, bowing and talking to each other. They have this great respect for the old school, but simultaneously they had like, you know, not many flying cars and cameras with phones and all sorts, but they were so technologically advanced with the the gadgets and the electronics, but then they had such a cultural depth for the substance of their relationships, which that was actually pretty
7: cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah,
2: very good. Okay. Well, it's good to know that hey music's coming back. Yeah. Buy some vinyl. So what are they what are they called 45s? What are they?
7: Uh 45s those are just singles, right? I don't know, man. You I'm well, a, I'm a boomer 45s, compared to you, mate. You tell me. It's like the this, <laughs> there's usually one song on each side. Got it. And it's just a smaller so, record. So what's the right wording I need to make sure about? Um I guess an LP, <laughs> like a full LP which be the you know, the full record.
2: I mean, well a lot of people here they'll be be able to Tell me more. So, hey, you can educate me. Text me through on 3920. Uh, appreciate it, Cambo. Yeah, flipping good good banter away. Good to know what you, you get into on this uh, this uh week's Learn, Share, Repeat. Uh, coming up after the break, it's Ask bit before we get right to the top of the hour. If you've got a question for me, you can text through on 3920. Or you can call in on 800 TFM. I can't guarantee you that I'll be right with whatever you ask me, but I'll give it a good nudge and I've got an opinion about kind of most things. Could be wrong, but feel free to text through anyway. 3920. You can ask me about technology or media or branding or LinkedIn or or travel hacks. Got lots of good travel hacks. Uh, and whatever else, you know. Time now is 12.54 on Today
0: FM. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome.
1: His platform, Today FM.
0: This is Rabette Live.
1: Call 0800 Today FM.
2: Let's go, let's go. Hour number two. Robert live episode 314 on Today FM. Hope your day's going well. Hope your day's going awesome. Up next, we've got, uh, in about a minute, we've got Juicy co-founder and CEO, Tim Alp. His incredible career. And where it all started, where it's taken him. And what's coming up next? Before one thirty. Tall Poppy profile. Highland and awesome Kiwi Goods doing great stuff. Natalie Coon will be joining us. Also catching up with the Reserve Bank Chief Economist, Paul Conway. Jingle bells. We're going to talk about OCRs and inflation rates and lots of crazy digits that I've struggled to get my head around. You can text me on 3920 or you can call through on 0800 Today FM. Time now is one oh three pm live. Let's go, let's go. Tim Alp is the co-founder and CEO of Juicy. For Tim, tourism has always been in his blood. Grown up, he watched his dad, Chris Alp, become a pioneer of New Zealand's motorhome industry after starting Maui camper vans in the early 80s. He's undoubtedly one of the most respected tourism leaders and pretty, not a bad hand at tennis as well. Welcome to the show,
6: Tim Alp. Cheers, bro. Nice to be here. Yeah. Rocking and rolling? Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Just pleased that the borders are open and people are starting to move again. I know. How does it feel? You've obviously gone
2: through the crazy ups and downs of the world going from fifth gear to reverse to then start to get back through, how's their mental roller coaster of headspace been in the last three, two and a half year period? yeah, like in gears,
6: yeah, how's well, the gears? when you say reverse, we definitely went well, we went to full slam on the brakes and then into massive reverse, and then we've sort of broken down a few times along the way, getting back to where we are right now, but oh look, it's been a it's been a crazy last to two and a half years, mm. um, ever since sort of the borders closed and everything for us just sort of stopped, just you know, literally business just stopped or our customers just stopped. So it was a something you could never predict uh, mm. and from a mental perspective, um, you could never plan for. And yeah, it's been a hell of a journey mm. uh, to get back to where I suppose where I am today. Personally, it's um, it's been a massive journey and I've mm. learned a lot about myself and a lot about people around me and our industry. And uh, look, I'm just fortunate to to I suppose still be here and still be really passionate about what the future looks like because there were some pretty dark days. So m- mentally, you've obviously led and built
2: a you know amazing, amazing big business in the no- in the nine figures type of thing. When you wake up one day and then those numbers aren't the same, <laughs> and then the weight of all the stuff around you for something that you can't control is out of your out of your hands, but it's still on you. How's the what was the mental strategy to build back the mental resilience first to start this, you know, when you're the captain of the ship, did you have a way you thought about dissecting what was actually happening to the build back momentum? Like how did you start the snowball of positivity to, to build back when you'd been going so hard? Because I was interested in leaders that have been able to do that because there's sometimes these little things which, which probably most other people don't think about. How did you navigate that for yourself?
6: Yeah, look, I think, I mean, the first thing obviously comes to mind is your people. You know, we had mm. 400 plus staff uh, when when sort of, when it all, all the shit at the fan. So it's kind of like, first of all, thinking about those guys. Mm. And it's just a natural reaction. You know, we're a family. oriented a business, we're a family business, and your immediate reaction goes to, to them. And also to your own internal family as well. I mean, I've spent the last 20 years building a business, telling my wife while well, I've been traveling for six months of the year, don't worry, babe, it's all gonna be okay. The big picture's <laughs> around the corner, the big picture. And then when the big picture doesn't happen, yeah, um, life really changes really, really quickly. So I think it's, a, it's about a reset. And for me, it was about, okay, I've got to actually, I've got to, yep, this is real. I've got it, but if I don't look after myself, mm. I'm actually no good for anyone else. And I realised that pretty early on in the piece. And I was really fortunate to have some really close family and friends who were who had seen me through the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything else. The real ones. The yeah. real ones who you know I could I could sort of go to, break down to, do everything I needed to to be able to put a face on of mm. positivity in a really dark time to our people who were also panicking and freaked out about what the future would hold. So now, how do you navigate when you're panicking.
2: Your people are panicking, but you don't want to show them that you're panicking when you're
6: the leader. That they to try to help them not panic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really it's a really difficult one. I, yeah. I think. I mean, I'm am look. I'm I'm someone who wears their heart on their sleeve. So for me to just be there, straight face, going, "Don't worry, she's all going to be right." it would have been fake anyway and they, and would, they would have, have felt fake. it they would have felt it so yeah. for me but also I didn't want to be in the corner in the fetal position just rocking away right yeah. so it was kind of like finding that balance but I found the, the best way for me personally was to be totally transparent love it with everyone and to be saying, you know we're in a really tough shitty situation um we've got to you know we've got to get together we're going to try to get through this but it's it's really really ugly and mm. and all cards on the table no all honesty, all cards on the table.
2: And you are fully transparent with everything
6: with everyone. Pretty much everything with everyone, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, look, you don't want to freak people out, but you also don't want to give people false hope and, and people to understand. I think I remember a really good thing with my kids. I mean, when, when everything happened and, and, you know, we had to sell the business and everything went been pear-shaped, I remember saying to my wife, I remember sitting her down and saying to her, look, Amy, uh, you know, should we, we need to talk, we need to tell the kids that, you know, life's going to be different you know life's going to be different you might and, be moving into one yeah, of on the campus we're going nomadic fortunately we didn't get to that stage but it was, it was pretty close but um i'd say to her and she she said to me no we don't we don't have to tell them anything and i was like what do, what do you mean she goes tim they know they've been through this journey they've seen it yeah. all they, they know you know and i think that was the key for me was just be be totally transparent with your kids, with your with your crew, with your staff, and it's the only mm. way you can really get through it. Now, the bonds
2: that came out of it one one of the things I saw through COVID was how it exposed great leadership and bad leadership in businesses with how teams would either mesh mesh, uh, mesh together or kind of split apart from you looking at either other leaders or businesses, what did you notice about your team that maybe you didn't see in other businesses or bits and pieces around? Like how did that mesh or, or split actually play out?
6: Yeah, I found with our guys, they're a lot stronger than I ever gave them credit for. And really? Okay. Yeah, and they, they they, they, saw it, they go, you know, we're in a bad situation, you know, revenue's stopped, everything's just stopped, we've got all these things happening, but they were like, you got to trust us, mm. you know. And and I think what was really interesting, we we had to let go of like I don't know, 150 people within the first couple of months, right? And all on Teams and Zoom, nothing. <sighs> I think so to face. And oh, because so, everyone was locked down. You're right, locked down. So you having so it's a group Zoom call with 100 people in a call, yeah. And yet yeah, you're having this call. and we, and I'll never forget, we got everyone back together after the first lockdown, and we got a whole bunch of people back together to sort of have farewell a farewell drink, right, just to celebrate them as such. Yeah. Um. And I'll never forget, it was so cathartic to see, go back and see that they're all, some of them have got, all of them have got, doing something. Some have got new roles, some had gone into study, some had decided to take a bit of time out. But what was really interesting is they were phoning us, Dan and I, constantly. They were more worried about us. Yeah, I remember, mean, yeah. And it was just like, it was humbling, to be honest with you, but mm. it showed me that we had an incredible, and have an incredible culture within mm. the business. Through COVID, how did
2: you maintain culture virtually? Because one of the really big issues I saw with so many uh, of these companies is trying to how to build culture virtually, how to you know make people feel part of a team when everyone's all over the country and all over the world. But there's been these little snippets that I've seen that pop out. Was there any sort of insights around you know the strategic way you were navigating like staff together to actually m- make teams tighter, even though you physically weren't in the same room?
6: Yeah, we were. I mean, we were fortunate that we had a Pretty strong, um, it's a strong culture within the business, and we we communicated, I thought, really well within the business. And but what we end up doing, yeah, you know, we'd do afternoon drinks because sort of come <laughs> come three o'clock or four o'clock, everyone's like dealing with a whole bunch of issues and refunds and cancellations and customers. Or like ten and, o'clock or eleven o'clock, or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah <I'm laughs> depending pro- on the time I'm, zone, I'm, I'm probably being a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit pleasing there. But yeah, it was pretty early in the day to be honest with you. Um, but but what it did was that we did it collectively, we did it socially, and I think that was probably the one that really was able we were able to do and it was mm. it wasn't just we didn't just have meeting at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock for the sake of it we'd actually do it do it in a way that it was casual but we needed to get what done what we needed to get done purposeful yeah. and we made sure that everyone also got out there and exercised and got out because that was my other big concern was a lot of our crew were living by themselves in apartments or yeah. with six people in a flat and you know it's it, you you realize it's, it's pretty lo- lonely and it's really tough especially mm. when you're also thinking shit am i gonna have a job and month's time now we come to the end
2: you've realized your team are stronger than you thought you've realized your headspace is stronger than you thought it was as well to build back through looking through to the future now what's the main thing that's changed in your headspace in terms of i guess going round two for the build up again from from you know uh, first gear back into fifth
6: yeah i think i think a lot has changed a lot's changed with me personally mm. um like i used to i used to work non-stop I used I'd, to send it Matt. Yeah, yeah and I I'd, I'd be up in the middle of the night and I'd be sending I'd be sending emails to my crew at three or four in the morning because I was awake and, and I was kind of I don't normally need a lot of sleep and so and I'd be doing that and I kind of stupidly thought it was a badge of honor you know if I'm working as hard and what I realized was that all our guys were like oh my God if Tim's working that hard, we need to do the same which is just BS right uh. it's just bullshit so I've realized that actually longer longer hours and pushing yourself isn't actually the way to go either You've got to look after yourself and you put pressure on your own team so um and what's really important is is to have that really clear balance and i made i didn't have a clear balance yeah um my life was green and purple my life was just and i absolutely loved it um, but i missed out on a lot of stuff. Mm. I never went to a parent-teacher interview, never went to a chapel service, never did any of this sort of stuff.
2: So whānau stuff missed?
6: Whānau stuff missed massively, yeah. um, and I've really enjoyed it. I don't know if they've enjoyed me being around so much, <laughs> but I've really enjoyed it, and look, I wouldn't have... I mean, my wife Amy was just been... She got me through this, yeah. hands down. Yeah. Amazing. And a few mates who were just there and... Yeah, they were they mm. were they were good because they were just brutally honest.
2: Yeah, and sometimes you you need that to have that to have that circle around to not try and do it yourself. I think the the weight of so many leaders that don't have that that crew that can have those blunt chats, it just creates more weight and stuff on top, right? And it just puts them into a bad space. Or you know, you're obviously fortunate enough to have a great relationship with your partner to be able to have that sort of balance off, just to let the the steam out and stuff now as well. So so when you look for the future now, you're doing some bigger things. You've got your head spaces going to some. You've, you've elevated the conversation with some, some bricks and mortar players. For those that aren't aware, what's the next, um, where's the headspace now for, for I guess, the 2.0 version of what you're going to build back, bigger, stronger and better, but more
0: balanced.
6: Yeah, more balanced. Look, I'm, I'm actually really excited, but it's taken me a while to get to this point. Mm. Yeah, it's taken me a, a lot of a lot of talking to people. It's taken me a lot of medication. It's taken me, oh, I've done everything you need to do to get through shit, right? And that was my whole mentality. I'm now in a position where I'm actually like, you know what, I'm actually really excited about, what next what's next and and we're we're about to open the largest hostel in the country which let's go which is awesome <laughs> um, just up here in Auckland here which was uh, four years in the making started pre-covid but we're about to do it and that'll be I mean Auckland's lost 60% of all of its backpacker hostels right yeah it's gone the, the industry's been decimated so it's really nice to have something positive happening in mm. the sector and and it's a totally different offering to this have been in the market before which i'm really excited about how's it different um so we've we've incorporated um wellness into it all things that you kind of you don't realize until you Go through this sort of stuff. What's important for people mm. now, right? So we have we have, a, we have co-working, co-living, well, which we never would have done before. Um, you know, we have yoga at the place. We have tai chi. We've got a whole different type of travel and community going in within there, which is really exciting. So we're doing that. Um, I've started up a online bed business, which is really <laughs> cool. Um,
2: well, how how does someone just start? Okay, so you like, just I just want to talk through some of the thinking here. So you got New Zealand's largest hostel, yeah, and then simultaneously. Let's launch a bed yeah. company. Yeah. How? 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 Why? Uh,
6: hostels need beds. That was, a good one. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. They also need alcohol, no, but we're you're we're, not going to go start a beer uh, brewery. Or maybe you will put a maybe, bit, a juicy brewery in maybe there. Maybe we're going to do the brewery. Yeah. No. Look, it was. Um. I actually got involved. It was quite good, really. When, when I sort of left the rental side of the business and, and it was all went. You know, it was I sort of had to take a bit of a break from everything, and I was I had a couple of really good friends who had started up this little online bed um, business called Comfy. And it was sort of mattresses, Take try, trying to move away from your big box retailer and yeah. go online and, and and they were two amazing women could Vicks and Sues, And they were kind of struggling a little bit just to set, establish a brand and what they really stood for. And they really wanted to be a social enterprise. And and I kind of, they said, well, would you help us out a little bit? And I was like, yeah, it was, a good, it was actually- I like, like sleeping really, now. Yeah, I like <laughs> sleeping now, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for someone who's never slept. Um, but it was a really good, it was very, again, really cathartic for me to do something totally outside of what yeah. i have done before. And it's just a bit amazing, and they've been—they've sort of, I reckon they—they they say to me, "Oh my God, we wouldn't be here unless you'd come on board." Honestly, they've given me more than I've ever given them in, mm. in terms of this, because I've—it's shown me that actually, skill set can cross over into a different industry. I was going to
2: ask that. Well, so you know, sometimes with all uh, you know, successful business career, they learn. These different like frameworks or things which they can just drop across into different industries. What were the main, I guess, blueprints of business that you took from a tourism business of rental cars and hostels or whatever into mattresses?
6: <laughs> into mattresses. Well, <laughs> Matt, it's a funny gig, mattresses, because it's it's a, like like it's this you know lots of players. Everyone sleeps on a bed, but on the online space, no one's really nailed it. And you got the <laughs> bed in a box guys, but no one's kn- nailed it. So we so what I was able to bring is you know we we when we started up car rental. And camp van rental in, in New Zealand, online just didn't really exist. So we'd be hmm. able to build this whole presence around booking online, trusting, putting a big purchases in there. So I was able to bring that across, building up a brand that actually was was quirky and different and stood for something and this was really important to me. Yeah. And then what's been really cool about this is the social enterprise aspect to it. So, you know, every five beds that we sell, we give a full sleep solution to a Kiwi Kid in need. And that's been it's cool. Awesome. And yeah, you know, and we're giving away yeah, you know, lots and lots of beds at the moment. So it's been really really cool to take some of the stuff that i've learned and bring it across to something totally different
2: do you think the the power of a brand can scale its intent when you really really focus on doing the stamp right because obviously you've done did that very well with the purple and the green but bringing it across into other things have you had to realize how you prioritize i guess a strategy or brand or the power of of what these brands mean for people to actually be able to buy into the culture of the
6: community yeah i do i think brands are all about authenticity mm. you know and i think people re- look through stuff really really quickly uh and i think with with juicy it was really really important that we, we were really true to ourselves and true to our customers and and we yeah you know, we moved from camper vans car rentals to cruisers in the Milky yeah. town to, <laughs> to hostels and and actually the the brand itself was actually able to move within that because the clientele was very similar and it yep. sort of crossed over um the the bed side of the bush i'm doing at the moment is is really exciting because it's creating a whole new brand and a whole and what it stands for and mm. we've been able to sort of build it up from the ground up and it's been it's been an awesome journey mm. today and one that i think has has massive opportunity
2: what are you most excited for for the next 10 years obviously you've uh, ma- managed to get a bit more balance you've understood you've missed a bunch of the Fano stuff making the catch-up the, the kids might be like oh geez dad's around a bunch now <laughs> like, whatever it is yeah. how, how do you see the next sort of 10 playing out with with how you see 2.0 because now we're in a bit more of a hybrid model of working from home working bare, whatever it may be how's the headspace
6: yeah the headspace is good i mean look i'm on a it's definitely a bit of a rebuild mm. you know for me it's a rebuild and you know, we had a, a significant massive business and now it's totally changed so it's a rebuild but it's a rebuild in a In a new kind of a new environment, it feels a bit like the 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 phoenix. You know, you sort of you've burnt burnt off the uh, the crops, and you sort of the green shoots are coming through again. So, look for me, I'm I'm really excited about that, but I'm excited about doing it in a way which I have a little more control over in terms of that that balance side of it. So, Mm. you know, I want to go and do a school camp. I want that no, I've never done before. You know, I want yeah. to do some of this stuff here. Take some beds, mate. Take some. Well, <laughs> camps need beds. Camps. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone needs beds. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about you know I'm helping another mate of mine out with a with a tiny homes business at the moment. Yep. Uh, and that's super exciting space. And that's really interesting because you know we, it's very similar to building camper vans and motorhomes to building mm. these tiny homes. Um, and that's so that's I'm really excited about. So I'm excited about doing a few different things, but also you know the biggest probably focus at the moment is our accommodation business because yep. simply by default the market's gone <laughs> yes and the bill com- back and the people are coming and I'm really lucky to have a an, an owner in the event, event hospitality who own the QT hotels and ridges and stuff and they're they're like really behind and they're like Tim we need to move really quickly. So that's really exciting. Yeah, And then they bring the,
2: and it's that partnership too of, you know, you back the jockey, they bring the engine for the horse and then it's like replicate and do. And also probably the bravery as well, strategically when they're b- having to invest in the physical bricks and mortar before the people, leave. it's like build it and they will come. Yeah. Well, it's like you've had to build it because they are coming.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always love that, you know, field's a dream, build it and they will come. And and that was kind of a bit of our philosophy. You know, everyone mm. goes does these big strategic plans and business plans. And, and a lot of the times we were like, We'll just build it. We'll build these camper vans. I'm sure they'll get rented. Or oh, we'll, ho- <laughs> we'll build this hostel. I'm sure people and, are going to turn sh- up. And she'll be right. Yeah, she'll be right. We're lucky at the moment, I suppose, that I, I know New Zealand's going to bounce back from a tourism perspective, and we've been decimated, and the industry's mm. been on its knees, and a lot of people have lost a lot of money, a lot of jobs, a lot of businesses have gone. So it's been tragic, but the one thing, I- we are a resilient bunch, bloody resilient. The
2: phoenix, mate.
6: Yeah, the phoenix, and New Zealand is still, I mean, this week, I think, uh, one of the big travel travel magazines out of the US-rated New Zealand South Island New Zealand is number one de- travel destination for desire post-COVID, right? So people are going to end really? up here. Yeah, yeah, ahead of, like, Naples and Florence and wow. um, Positano and all these places, and it was like New Z- South Island and New Zealand. Yeah, Hoka no, ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Hoka ticket. I don't know who crashed it. That's where everyone's take going. Take I don't know who crashed it. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, Well, it's amazing to have you on a show. I'm stoked to um, be able to see the rise of the phoenix through, and also the mental headspace to know that you know the, the team is stronger, you are stronger, and getting up for the new future. With more importantly, a solid balance of realizing you know you can't be in fifth gear f- forever without you know get in a, in a little bit more trouble, so it's awesome that you can, you've you sort of found that in, in a bit of headspace for the future, which is awesome. Awesome, though. Keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Alp, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, Alp Ventures, mate. Absolutely on fire. Uh, after the break, we're going to be speaking with Natalie Coombe. It's a tall poppy profile here on Today FM. The time now is
0: 1.22. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor.
1: Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit.
0: It's Robert Live.
1: On Today FM. You... All I
0: do is we...
2: Hands go up. And they stay there for a bit live episode 314 on Today FM. Man, I love talking to Tim. As he's a great human and a great Kiwi doing awesome things for New Zealand. You know, over a $100 million business going back to zero, building it up for round number two. And while we're at it, let's just do some more houses and some beds while we're at it. Because that's just what you do when you're just absolutely sending it as a Kiwi entrepreneur. Cool thing in that was actually the headspace of realising to get the balance right, to be able to understand that you, can, you can't you can just be in fifth gear forever, you need to try and pwn it back. And it's uh, cool to be able to you know, understand that the final time is also important too. Uh, you can find out more about where you can find us online at todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on the social channels, on the Facebook and the Instas and the Twitter. And all four of you boomers out there, there's a thing called the TikTok. You can check out the TikTok uh, and search for FM. New Zealand. If you want to get in touch with me for a question, you can just answer, uh, text through on 3920 or call through if you want to troll me and say what up to 0800 Today FM. All right, this week on Tall Poppy's profile, the reason why we talk about win, win, win is because we like Kiwis to win. We like Kiwis to be doing good things. And I'm very stoked to be joined by Natalie Coom. Natalie's helped over 150 women create better lives for themselves and their loved ones by learning how to charge what they are worth. Hell yes. And build profitable businesses that they can work around the way they want to live, which is super cool. Uh, so welcome to the show. Natalie Coombe. Kia Net. Nat.
5: Hey, kia ora. Good to be here.
2: Very, very cool. How is your Saturday going? Uh, it, uh, is it raining? Is it funky? What's bubbling away? What, what's, what's up it for the Saturday?
1: Is, it is sideways rain here. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? It's a special treat, sideways rain.
2: There you go. Um, so I'm really interested to talk about uh, a couple of things, but the main one being, you know... Y- your passion is very much around trying to you know, empower a bunch of these women to create a better lives for themselves. Where did the headspace start for you to get to this point? How did this begin and, and what did, what do you do and how do you do it?
1: Okay, so that's a small question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been doing business transformation for over 20 years and, and spent a lot of that working with big corporates. And then... Um, decided to have a baby as you do and really that started my journey of going I want to do business differently um now I don't want to work the crazy hours um and sacrifice family time and so that started me on the journey of um supporting other women in business to create lives that work for them as well and profitable businesses
2: so what so do you um, no, no, I get it so what do yeah. you and how do you how do you do it so you're empowering these women how does that happen
1: So basically, um, I teach them how to price um, and how to deliver services profitably in a way that gives them freedom and time to have a life as well. Uh, It's one of the, the, the challenges, particularly, I think, for a woman is statistically, we are still the primary caregivers. Most of the women I work with are still trying to deliver businesses within school hours. Um, And so they find themselves working evenings and weekends just trying to fit everything in. And so pricing for a woman in particular so that they're earning enough while they can work to make up for all the time they can't work becomes really critical. So um, it's teaching them the tools on how to have a a profitable business in a healthy, sustainable way, particularly with with, um, Fano as well.
2: So I want to jump into the some specifics on that. Yeah. What, perc- yeah, yeah. what percentage less do you think women are actually getting paid for what they're worth in comparison to men? Is there any data behind this? What have you seen? What have you found? And I'm interested in some insights to see the disconnect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't, I'm not going to give you specific um, stats. I haven't looked those up specifically, but you can just have a conversation. I remember talking with a room full of people, and a woman was describing her business, how she helps uh, support uh, families, and a guy in the room was like, "Oh my God, has a half a mil for that," and she's describing more what she does, a million, a million for that, and it was tongue in cheek, but it was the fact that. He and, and people in his situation felt really comfortable charging a higher number and she's looking at minimum wage for what she does.
5: Hmm.
1: So um, there is a big disconnect, particularly for women who have taken time out of their career or corporate to raise kids. And then they're trying to come back either into the workforce or start up a business. And their mindset is they're worth less because they've been at home. Or they're working from home, and so they have their own perception that what they do is less valuable because they've been out of the workforce. They're working in their PJs, they're working around the kids, and that somehow that has less value. Just hmm. complete metabolic.
2: So subconsciously, they devalue their actual true worth in the market yes. because they physically 100%. haven't been out, and because there's no one's around them, they're actually telling them that they they're telling themselves that they're actually worth less.
4: Yes, that's right. Isn't that stuffed and, up? And of, oh, it's totally stuffed <laughs> up.
1: It's totally stuffed up. And part of it is like a defense mechanism, right? Like if we tell ourselves that, then if people were setting ourselves up to not be disappointed, mm. if people then devalue us. But the fact is, people outside don't know your personal circumstances. All they care about is can you solve their problem? Yes. And so a lot of the work I do with women is to go, no one no one gives a flying toss if you're in your PJs, if you're working from the kitchen bench. Can you solve your clients' problems? Do you make a difference in their business in their lives? Yes, fucking charge for it.
2: Yeah. So the what's the workflow that you do to help them a understand, hey, you're amazing and you're awesome, stuff this, let's go out there and get it. Is there a little system or a way that you sort of work through with clients and stuff to go through this? Is it more yeah. Clearly this is just more a mental thing for them to realise the true value of their worth and it's one of the things I've seen a bunch of is, you know, there's so many amazing people who don't charge what they're worth and they don't think they're good enough mm-hmm. and it's this internal lack of belief of their actual true skill set to the value that they give the market. How do you help change that? So there's kind of, I
1: have a six step profitable pricing process
2: oh
4: there you go let's go let's go i know
1: right <laughs> <laughs> um and this is you know this is from 20 years working with businesses around the world making them profitable but it's also the same process that i've developed for myself as a, a solopreneur a business owner a single mom of a young child um because there are different mechanics for Small businesses, so sub twenty staff and solopreneurs, to be profitable, than there is for the large corporates. So, um, so it, it's it's both a framework for understanding how you want to live, what lifestyle you want to have, how you want to work, and then we work backwards to say if that's where you want to be, what do you need to have in place? How do you need to deliver your services? How do you need to charge in order to be able to? afford all your investments, pay yourself an awesome salary, and only work the hours you want, we do the math behind it. So you see your numbers in black and white, go, oh, okay, I need to charge that, and uh, I need to deliver it this way, and then suddenly I'll be able to pay myself that amount every week or that amount every month. That gives them the motivation to go, I am going to charge more because it's worth it. mm. Um, Without the math and the numbers behind it, you're just picking a number out of thin air. So how do you justify what you're charging? So one part is actually supporting women to go. This is why you need to charge X, mm. so they can back themselves up. The other side then is the value piece, and we talked about you know women in particular, but you know this is also specifically a Kiwi problem with tall poppy. Um, just to add an extra layer is. To actually stop them thinking about how valuable they are. I actually don't like the phrase, charge what you are worth.
3: Oh, okay. Go on.
1: on. People are priceless. You can't put a price tag on an individual's value. It's really bloody hard and we shouldn't be doing it. What you can do is put a price tag on the change you help your clients to achieve and how valuable that is to them.
2: Oh, it's that thing of not charge for the hour, but the problem that you're solving, you know, the, the guy that's been, 100%, a, been a CEO 100%. For, for 30 years, he can figure it out in five minutes. You're not paying for the five minutes, that's you're paying right. for the 30 years, right?
1: That's it, 100%. And this is to, it's called value-based pricing. It's the most powerful pricing method, particularly for service-based businesses. But it's particularly powerful for, for the women that I work with because it takes them out of the equation. Hmm. It addresses this issue of, they don't wanna sound like they're bragging or that they're up themselves or all of the, the, the narrative that goes on when we start talking about how good we are, takes all of that out of the equation. It takes the fear and the doubt and the insecurity out of pricing, cause that's not a strong place to price from. Yep. And instead we say, right, what do you? what does your client, what can your client achieve from working with you? Mm. What are you helping them to achieve? How valuable is that to them? And so we're focusing on our clients and we're focusing on the difference you make in their lives. And we're saying, right, how valuable is that to them? And that's what we base our pricing on, not on our intrinsic value.
2: I love it. The, the concept of reverse engineering the the goal and then getting non-emotive mm-hmm. to the value you're providing probably just puts people in a different headspace to actually...
1: Yeah. 100%.
2: Yeah, and have you noticed when you go through that, starting reverse engineering that non-emotively yep. to the actual outcome, th- women are feeling more confident or empowered to actually be able to ask <laughs> these things because they've got the data?
4: Hell
1: yeah yeah oh, I did this work with um one of my clients just this week, and uh, we went through it, and she was uncomfortable charging. She was having fifty dollars, sixty dollars, and that's what she was kind of comfortable doing. And when we did the math, and she's looking at these numbers in black and white, and she's like, no, I'd be comfortable charging eighty five for that. Oh, no, that needs to go up. That needs to be seventy. Nice. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm like, you comfortable? Yeah, hell, yes. And within the space of less than or half an hour, of going oh 60s kind of we uncomfortable to going no no we need to bump that up that needs to be 85 because she could see the financial impact charging that would have on her life mm. and that gave her the motivation to get over the reluctance and the awkwardness and the fear and anxiety of charging more because she could see it was worth it without the numbers to back you up that's a really hard conversation to have
2: yeah very cool okay well um if if you're a woman woman, listening to this right now, uh, where could they go to and what can they do? They want to check it out, they're they're interested. Again, powered reverse engineer, the outcome they want on value-based pricing, where should they go to, what should they do?
1: Go come check me out on nataliecoombe.com or follow me on Instagram. I'm not yet on TikTok, does that class me as a boomer? I'm a little bit concerned about that fact, but I'm not. (laughs) Uh, But uh, follow me on Instagram, Um, that's where I give a lot of my uh, free strategy advice. Tips and tricks. Very
2: cool. N- Natalie Coombe online. <laughs> Done. And a Coombe with two O's as well, so they get the right one. Two
1: O's, an M, a V, and a silent E.
2: Silently, e, There you go. Hey, I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for jumping in, and thanks for all you do. Very cool. Parent woman right, doing sure good sure stuff in business and making them get paid what they're worth. How are you? Giddy up. Good yeah. job, Nat. Love your work. All right. Any feedback we'd love to hear from you, text me through on 3920. Number to call is 800 today FM. Coming up after the break, oh, ladies and gentlemen, it will be Paul Conway, the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand Aotearoa. See you in a sec. Rebet Live.
1: Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe.
0: With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential.
1: On Today FM.
0: There we go, there we go.
2: 1.40pm Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today FM, Rebet Live episode 314. Put a little business in a minute tip for today. Getting into the mix is calm and centre. Pause and centre. Many times in business, you can get very stressed. Something happens, you get all reactionary. I definitely do it. I've done it multiple times, emotional person. And when my wife was in hospital and we're having uh, daughter number two, right outside the front of the door was this big sign for nurses before they walked in and it said, pause and centre. And basically, you know, it's very... It's very chaotic in a hospital. There's lots of stuff going on. People are coming in and out. They're running all around. And it was a moment to be able to stop and they would have to pause and center themselves. They would have to stop, reset, take some breaths. You know, when you look, listen to Dom's show talking about these you know, these three deep breaths that they'd be doing to get themselves in the moment or whatever, they weren't bringing that negative energy from the next spot into it and being able to try and compartmentalize it. One of the things I've been trying to do, and it's very tough when you're very emotional, is things happen and you want to flare up and you want to get excited and you want to go to town or whatever it is. Just realizing that anytime you're about to make a big decision or an emotive decision in business, just to pause and center. I've failed many times at this because I'm like, stuff that, let's go and blow it up. And what I needed to do is just stop, pause and center. breathe. Let it, let it, let it cruise. and it's very tough to do. It's probably one of the toughest things I've struggled with because I'm very emotive. I just want to go in and go 100% that helps quick little business minute tip. I was awesome chatting with Tim Alp today talking through the, the progress of COVID and and even just similar the mindset of you know, Leslie, the, the executive chef at Sitter, then also the owner and Tim Alp of how the mindset of having to navigate through through COVID and, and commerce particularly, leadership, what the headspace is doing and all the rest of it, which is kind of cool. And then getting into Natalie Coombe for her to think about, you know, how to empower women to make them realise that they are worth what they're worth and value-based pricing, thinking it, not just for women for young, Maori, Pacifica, business, whatever it may may be. So many people under charge for uh, the true value they bring into a situation, and I don't think that should be the case. Right after the break, we're going to have Mr. Paul Conway. He is the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. It is one 1.42. You're on Today FM. We're with Robert Live, Episode 3 and 4.
0: Tova with Tova O'Brien, Mark Dye, and Carly Flynn.
1: A deep dive into countrywide stroke care is revealing some shocking inconsistencies for our most vulnerable communities. Joining us now is Research Program Lead from Otago University, Professor Anna Ranta. There
6: is a need for some more investment. We need to make stroke a really strong priority for our health planning. One in four adults will have a stroke in their lifetime. Second most common cause of wow. death and disability. 20% of people with stroke will have a stroke under age
4: 65. So it's not just all people.
0: Saver with Generate, the Kiwi Saver specialists
4: on Today FM. He's back. What's the worst way you can get dumped? I did it by text once. She tracked me down and marched me down Lambton Quay. I was looking for an out, but there weren't any alleyways or really. anything. Just, just, I had to keep walking. Sometimes you just have to grin and know that you'll wake up with freedom in the morning.
3: Duncan
1: Garner,
0: today. Weekday mornings from nine
1: with DBS on Today FM.
0: Mentor, Sherpa, counsellor.
1: Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit.
0: It's Rebett Live
1: on Today FM.
2: There we have it. Rebett Live on Today FM, episode 314. Live from Auckland this week. And I'm back off to San Francisco in a couple of days. Find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz we take us with you on the go. You can download the free Rover app from your smartphone's app store. If you want to get in touch, with a banter, 0800 Today FM, or text me on 3920. Up next is Conway's Corner. Let's catch up with Mr. Paul Conway. He is the brand new, I think he's about five weeks into the, the gig now, Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, Aotearoa. Kia ora, my friend. How are you today on this rainy Saturday? Uh, kia ora, Rebecca. It's not raining where I am. It's oh. a beautiful day in Wellington. I oh, will. We'll, we'll swap sides then. Lucky, lucky for some. <laughs> uh, so, how's it been going? What's been bubbling this last week, my friend? Yeah,
8: oh, it's been good. Nice four-day week uh, in terms of what I've been up to. I've been sort of thinking about our research agenda uh, at the Reserve Bank and the Economics Department there, Uh, sort of thinking about, you know, what is it we need to figure out and sort of uh, know about to feed into our next uh, monetary policy decision. Uh, And also comms, you know, sort of what's the stuff I want to be talking about over the next little while. So sort of developing and polishing up those thought streams. Um, So, you know, it's been cool. I've been enjoying doing a bit of uh, research planning uh, across the economics team there and, and reading Uh, And just thinking uh, about where the economy's at and and
2: what's unfolding. Well, you have doing lots of reading, doing lots of thinking. It definitely sounds like you're doing a bit of the old learn, share, repeat there. So when when you've been digging into a bunch of this numbers and you're digging into the future of where we're trying to do, we've talked about the soft landing and inflation and bits and pieces. What have have you been reading about or really sort of digging into and getting stuck into?
8: Yeah, well, th- th- this week I've kind of been outward looking. I've sort of been reading about the global economy. Like the reserves, oh sorry, the the World Bank uh, put out a report uh, on the global economy, the state of the global economy across across the planet, which made for a pretty gloomy reading, uh, really. So the, the World Bank, they are based in Washington DC. They operate across the entire globe, 200 and something countries. So really good, big picture view of what's going down, and they do lots of great work uh, on developing countries and I've been interested in developing or developmental economics for ages. So Anyway, according to their last report, they reckon that the global uh, global economic growth was about 6% last year, uh, but this year, 2022, it's going to slump to a little bit under 3%. So this is global GDP growth, uh, which is, you know, a measure of the total economic output uh, across the planet. So, you know, GDP, it's not the be-all and end-all. It's certainly, you know, it's not a measure of well-being, which is sort of what, you know, economics is all about. Um, but, you know, it is a measure of income, and incomes you know, have an impact on well-being. So, you know, super, it's super important. It really does matter. Um, and the interesting thing, Rabit, like back in January, the World Bank was saying that global economic growth this year would be a little bit over 4%. Uh, so they've chopped that to a bit under 3 So it's quite a downgrade. Uh, and essentially, that downgrade in global growth is due to the war. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, which is leading to higher energy prices, higher food prices, um, you know, ongoing disruptions in the global trade system, uh, and of course higher interest rates globally, as well as central banks you know, like, the, like the Reserve Bank uh, move to put up interest rates to bring down
2: inflation. So, you know, reading between the lines here, you got six percent that was for 2021 budgeted just over four, but now it's at three percent for 2022. Yeah, kind of doesn't it doesn't really sound good. Uh, so, no. so, 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 how does that work? Like, some of the, you know, not many people in New Zealand would realize that the the economic consequences will, do, which will directly affect their bottom line in Aotearoa halfway around. How how does this actually affect our lives when you know we're not we're not over there, but it's affecting us? How does this all work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
8: good, good, good question. Yeah, like, it's. You know, I think we're definitely going to see a slower global economy, uh, over the next year or so. I think that is pretty much, uh, baked in. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not just about, uh, Vladimir Putin and his sort of incredibly, um, well, how do I say, it? ill-judged, uh, war. You know, what a, what a, what a what can I say on the radio? Oh, what a, say it, what a I was, tyrant!
2: G- gong show. Maybe it's a it's a gong show.
8: <sighs> what a gong show! Yeah, gong show that, that man you. has an awful lot of blood on his hand, but he's also just creating hardship mm. uh, around the planet. And and in fact, the OECD, uh, which is a, a sort of club of mainly developed countries are based in paris Uh, i used to work there uh, for a good long while um, and they put out their economic outlook uh this week and they called it the price of war Um, so you know they're also predicting a global slowdown pretty much along the same lines as the world bank uh, and they talk about the cost of that. And, you know, they, that makes for really interesting reading as well. And they're sort of saying, you know, Putin's insanity, uh, it's pushing, it's sort of putting a huge shutter uh, through the global food system. So I think uh, combined Russia and Ukraine supply about, I think it's 12% uh, of total calories, so a measure of food uh, that is traded Worthwhile, so uh, worldwide. Sorry, so a huge chunk uh, of the global food market. So with those two countries bogged down in war, uh, the price of food uh, is going up, and that's a core driver uh, of inflation globally. And I think you know, looking forward, there's a real risk, um, thanks to Putin, of a, a sort of. Catastrophe in the food space. Of you know, we may well see mass hunger uh, in you know some developing countries in particular. And it's you know, it's not because the world can't produce enough food to feed humanity, but you know we can't sort of ship it and distribute it to where it's needed most. I think you know, in terms of al this is not so relevant for us here because you know we produce heaps of food ourselves, and you know we might even see uh, we might even benefit from higher global Food prices, but you know, I don't know. There's, there's not much, not much joy in that, uh, given the circumstances. And, and of course, you know the other thing coming out of the Ukraine conflict is energy prices. So yeah. Russia ex- exports heaps of energy, oil and gas to Europe, in particular, and Europe is trying to wean themselves off that. So energy prices are also up globally, which is another big driver uh, of global inflation.
2: So going through that, there's obviously you know Putin's got the, the, the war going there. Old mate's doing his thing. You've talked about you know high food prices, high energy prices. You know these uh, are these some of the main ways that the, the effects of war kind of radiate across the globe. Or the other bits and pieces which then sort of come come down next. Mm.
8: Yeah, um, I think sort of the immediate effect for countries such as such as ours, which are some you know distance from the the conflict, that sort of you know the the sort of immediate effect. Um, but, you know, when you get a big sort of price shock like that, it kicks off all sorts of secondary dynamics uh, around the, the planet. So, you know, I talked, we talked about Russia weaning itself off, uh oh, sorry, Europe weaning itself off Russian energy. Um, so there's sort of this big scramble uh, going on for alternative sources of energy uh, globally. Um, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of that is about sort of where can we get more fossil fuel from uh, and coal use is actually up uh, because of the conflict uh, mm. in, in Ukraine. So sort of, you know, we're facing into a possibly an energy crisis, particularly in Europe. So we sort of, you know, reach for what we know, which is fossil fuels, but but hopefully uh, sort of longer term, uh, the situation in Europe, you know, hopefully it'll lead to sort of greater investment and in, in use of, of cleaner energy. And, and, you know, food markets are also changing pretty rad- radically at the moment too you know we a lot of corn uh, for example goes into making biofuels so that's sort of been directed to, or diver- uh, diverted to feeding people uh, instead at the moment you know that that sort of thing's going down all around us
2: it's crazy halfway around the world thousands of kilometers away you're having to navigate the financial impacts of what that could potentially be for new zealand so you yeah. know what about here yeah. in aotearoa you know like how how are we being impacted how do you think this plays out specifically in 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 aspects of this
8: yeah, well, yeah, as I said, our direct uh, trade exposure to both Russia and Ukraine isn't, uh, it's pretty small. Um, so the conflict, you know, it's not having, it's not sort of generating much of an impact in terms of our exports and imports, unlike in Europe, which is sort of, you know, next door neighbours. Um, but, you know, we're definitely seeing those inflationary pressures um, mm. You know, sort of bumping up the cost of living.
2: And those uh, Red, Bull yes, vo- you know, the Red Bull vodkas, mate,
8: that's what's going up. The Red Bull <laughs>
2: vodkas, tell you that much. <laughs> yes, that's it.
8: Well, yeah, I think they'll be diversifying away from Russian uh, vodka. I'm sure you can't, you can't get it. You can't get it these days, which is fair enough, given their uh, recent behaviour. But, yeah. So inflation, that's, that, that's kind of the key impact that it's having on, on us on this side of the planet. And we're sort of going through this process, you know, how do we share the burden of inflation, um, you know, across people and businesses, sort of across profits on the one hand and wages, you know, on the other. Those are the kind of dynamics uh, that are playing out in our economy uh, at the moment. Yeah, very cool. And obviously with your role as Chief, Chief
2: Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand Aotearoa, you've got, I'm sure many people are sending you lots of different links to look into like, hey Paul, PC, check this out. This is you got Put this into the model mate, put this in. Is there anything else you've been seeing or noticing over this last week of, of stuff that's sort of popping up on your radar that you kind of like, you know, ears up a little bit to, to dig into a little bit more? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, actually,
8: yeah, the the other the story i've i've been loving the most this week is about the uh the Auckland building company that's been importing plasterboard uh, directly from Thailand uh, oh, wow. by the container load. So well, if you've been you know, listening to the news this week, like Fletcher Building uh, effectively has a monopoly uh, on the plasterboard market in New Zealand. They call it jibboard. Um, but they are completely slammed and they can't, you know, we're in a building boom and they can't sort of meet supply. So, you know, this is a classic supply shock like we talked about last week. So lots of building companies are really struggling and some are going belly up. Uh there's plenty of demand. People want houses and the like, uh, but they just can't source uh, you know, those kind of inputs. So they're struggling. Mm. Uh and these Auckland businesses just think, well, you know, bugger that, let's just go and order some directly from, from Thailand and it's perfectly good uh plasterboard. and you know, it's so you know, then they're not sort of constrained uh on the supply side. So the thing I love about that, Rebecca, you know, inflation. Like, you know, my job at the central bank, the Reserve Bank, is to get inflation down. So you know We're putting interest rates uh, up. Uh, but that's not the only sort of path that's open to us in terms of getting inflation back in the box. It's also about competition. Uh, so these guys, you know, effectively are uh, letting, you know, tie plasterboard compete with uh, Fletcher Building so and getting a better deal uh, in the process. So it just brings it home, you know, let's think outside of the box. Uh, how can we sort of uh, change what we're doing, change our business models um, to to get around, um, you know, increasing prices so you know it's, it's mm. not just about competition but investing in digital technologies you know stuff that we've talked about plenty in the yeah. past uh just to make stuff more uh, efficiently uh and more cheaply so you know that, that's cool I'm, I'm loving watching those sorts of dynamics as well well it's
2: just like that movie american gangster Make frank lucas just go straight to the supplier just go straight to it cut out the middle and getting into it bringing up competition hey before you go you said Absolutely. you said a thing before which you know some kiwis may not know you said gdp for those who aren't aware what does yeah. gdp mean
8: GDP, so it's gross domestic product, so it's a measure of economic output uh, in an economy. And actually let's let's talk about that next week because yes. New Zealand's uh, GDP numbers are coming out um, on this Thursday. I think for the um, for the first quarter of this year. So we'll have a little rundown, a little chat about GDP and, and you know pros and cons. Um, some people don't like it um, because well, it's not a measure of well-being, and it, it goes up if you know you break a window and have to replace it. You know, it's it's not all good things that sort of push GDP along. Uh, but let's 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 banter on that uh, next week. Love it. Always enjoy talking to you, educating
2: us all about you know the impacts of all the things that happen in the world. There, I hope you enjoy the rest of the sunny day in Wellington while Auckland's just pissing down. Enjoy, my friend. Cheers, Rebecca. Thank- thanks, brother. Paul Conway, the Reserve, uh, the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, Aotearoa, which is super cool. Time now is 1:56 today. FM.